Salon. I have a very intriguing guest this day. His name is Damien Dumar, and he is representing the vampire Ashom, talking about a book from Lucian Mars, The Last Harvest, a secret history of Lucifera, aliens, the Illuminati, and the fate of humanity. Now, I find this a very intriguing cauldron, if you will, of subject matter and a lot going on around all of this is spinning and swirling in the collective, in the collective mind, in the collective dream, in the subcurrent of all that is was and shall be. This is, I think, most people looking at the realm understand a very auspicious time. And most religions, especially all those Abrahamic ones, are a chatter, a buzz with end times and the prophecies therein. Throw in your template. And so here we have this book, Here we have these characters. Here we have this narrative. Now, coming into this, I was compelled to reach out to Damien because I find this provocative. And in that, there is absolutely so much credibility for things I personally can agree upon. And as I was talking with Damien before the show, there are things that that put me off a little. And I'm not sure if it's because the water's been muddied, and we're going to talk about this, or if it's just stuff I don't have experiential relating to yet. So we're going to go there. I want to welcome in Damien Dumar. Welcome to the Cosmic Salon. Thank you for having me. So it's a pleasure to have you, and thank you for being so swift in getting back to me. Let's talk about you for a second, Damien, if sure. you don't mind. Who are you, Damien? Oh, that's a good question. Well, the short answer is that I am a reptilian-human hybrid and that I represent uh, an empire known as the Siakar Empire. The Siakar Empire is the latest rendition of what was prior to that, the Aryan Empire, and prior to that, the Orion Empire. So 
many people have heard about the Orion Empire and some even the Aryan Empire, usually in New Age books that will talk about the uh, the Orion Empire and how it was ruled by an Ayakar queen who goes by the name of Lucifera. And the information is is rather limited, and most of it came from a downed alien craft pilot. So some years ago on an Indian reservation, a uh, spaceship crashed. There was a pilot on it who was extraterrestrial, and he was rescued by Native Americans. And he had with him a type of what's called a Gurku crystal or a, uh, a data storage device that had been somewhat damaged and corrupted. And on this crystal was a lot of information about the Orion Empire and the uh, Wolf and Anunnaki who come from the Sarayan Empire. And it told a lot of the history of the conflicts and the origins of these different races and what their impact was on the formation of the earth. The problem with this information is that it was all rather limited and corrupted and information from long ago in the past doesn't necessarily reflect what is going on today. So all the information that's ever been written about this is regurgitated or recycled information that isn't exactly completely accurate. But the Orion, which then became the Aryan Empire, ultimately became known as the Siakar Empire. And it's an empire that spans many galaxies. It goes across the multiverse. Uh, there's thousands of planets. It goes into different dimensions. It's a very complex situation because the reptilians who make up the Siakar Empire are the second oldest race in creation. The first race in creation, this group that is known as the Magians, which are more humanoid. And then afterwards, the second race that was created were the reptilians, um, those who ultimately ended up over evolutionary time becoming the Siakar Empire. So the other big misconception about reptilians, and on one hand, I have to thank David Icke because he really brought this idea of shape-shifting reptilians or lizard people into the forefront of consciousness to the point that it's on episodes of The Simpsons, Everywhere you go, there's some reference where it's a joke or serious about shape-shifting reptilians. Uh, the problem is that David Icke's view of things is very simplistic. Simplistic in the sense that he assumes that all of the problems on this planet are <laughs> the result of reptilians, which is not the case at all. He also sets up a situation where reptilians are the only enemies of quote-unquote humankind, and that's far from reality also. And... Uh, he also puts forth this very interesting idea, which is parroted all over the New Age and uh, UFO community, that reptilians are service to self as opposed to service to others, which is a very ridiculous and childish idea. Because, first of all, the Siakar Empire and the reptilians in it, they worship the Father, the Almighty Father who created creation, and they have something of a hive mind. And Everyone in that empire basically lives for the empire before they would live for themselves. Not to say that they aren't selfish drives or impulses or something like this, but in general, as far as a culture goes, they are, in fact, not service to self. They're just service to the empire. And then on the other hand, you also look at other groups like, say, the Galactic Federation, which is a combination of many different types of races, including races which are very close to humans on this earth. And they, they talk about them as if, oh, they're all about service to others. But that's not really the case either. I mean, you look around this planet, most humans, in fact, are selfish and working for themselves and not working for the service of others. So um, 
You know, another thing about the uh, the reptilians in the Siakar Empire is because they inhabit higher dimensions, their experience of an almighty father is not a belief like it is in religions in this, in this realm, but it's actually something that they know because they have direct experience with the almighty father and their empire, for the most part, is considered like his empire, like they carry out his will. But... The, when you talk about carrying out the will of the Almighty Father, uh, another issue that human beings find themselves always caught up in on purpose, because when the Anunnaki were doing a lot of engineering on human beings, they created all the so-called Abrahamic religions in order to just to create vehicles for warfare, to create a separation between human beings and the Almighty Father, because you don't need any kind of religion in order to have a relationship with him. But they make like, oh, you need to have this religion. And in the process of creating uh, these religions, they uh, create all these other kinds of ideas, which are just, you know, not not very healthy or conducive to <laughs> to anything except warfare, uh, you know, keeping people at each other's throats and that sort of thing. So when we're looking at you mm-hmm. in particular, Damien, what are you? Yes, I, I'm sorry. The, the problem is uh, it's not really a problem. It's let's call it a challenge instead. The challenge with all this material is that there is so much material in this book and so much of it is so uh, shocking or contrary to things you've heard before that even if I start talking about, okay, well, who am I? There are all these things I have to explain in the process. So sometimes I get a little bit off track. So thank you for bringing me <laughs> back. I, I am the same <laughs> way. I've had people when I'm an interviews say, did did she answer the question? But I plan on having more than one chat with you. And so we have plenty of time to work this out. But let's talk about you. Let's get sure. you into the yeah, fold let's here. Get a little bit back to me. So I am a, um, uh, a reptilian human hybrid. And what happened is when I was young, both my biological parents were Rh negative. My mother was Rh negative blood type and uh, B negative blood, and my biological father was Rh negative and uh, A negative blood. So Rh negative blood in general is extraterrestrial, and it's of incredible value to various extraterrestrial groups because someone who is Rh negative can be easily hybridized. Uh, and mixed with other types of species. And people who are RH negative can also be easily used as slaves or to be used to graft the alien genetics of another species onto this planet who normally wouldn't function on this planet very well. So in the case of someone has RH negative blood plus A negative blood, they are literally like extraterrestrial. That is the most valuable type. All RH negative types are valuable, but if you're RH negative and also A negative, then believe me, you're being abducted and you <laughs> that's the end of the story. You have no say in it. Just forget about the idea of free will because they've got you. And this is also another yes. idea that people don't like. Like, what do you mean? Like, I have no free will. I'm not in charge. That This idea that there are all these beings out there who are infinitely more impressive than you, who are in control of you, is something that doesn't sit well with human beings because human beings have this idea, again, from Hollywood movies, which are created by the elite, that, oh, somehow human beings are at the top of the food chain. But on the planet, 
on the original, uh, when you look around, you see humans and then the animals all being eaten. You say, well, I guess humans are at the top of the food chain. But the reality is, in terms of the multiverse, humans are actually at the bottom of the food chain. They are no different than the animals. So when, uh, say, a reptilian or a uh, nebu gray uh, looks at a human being, they look at the human being the same way the human being would look at a pig in a slaughterhouse. And that's something that doesn't sit well with the human ego, but these things need to be understood and accepted in order to be able to even navigate the sort of scenario. So yes. what happened was when my biological father conceived me uh, with my biological mother, he was inspirited or possessed by a very high-ranking Anunnaki. And so as a result of this, he is not the only contributor <laughs> to my genetic material. <laughs> There's someone else who contributed genetic material. And as a result of this connection, automatically, I am marked for a certain type of future. And it's not a future that, let's say, I would have consciously chosen under certain circumstances. Although in the bigger picture of things, I am sent into this life by the Siakar in order for this and many other things to happen. It's all part of my mission, so to speak. So I get pulled into the Montauk project when I'm very young and I go through all that kind of experience and there's been a lot written on it, uh, the idea of what the Montauk project is, what they do to individuals who are in it, uh, how they produce super soldiers, they produce all kinds of, um, you know, let's say a human product. Because people need to remember also that the most valuable commodity in the multiverse is genetic material. That is the most valuable commodity. The second most valuable commodity is weapons technology because most of the multiverse is constantly at war and one group trying to take resources from another. It's not like this planet's at war and the rest of the galaxy is like la 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 and peaceful. No, it's the opposite. So <laughs> that's an another idea that people need to get to their heads. So I grow up and I go through a lot of these experiences. I'm in the Montauk Project. All these things happen. And then I, I eventually, as I get older, I start to get involved in all kinds of spiritual activities, let's say, like Taoism and Buddhism and all these very, you know, out there kind of things. Because I recognize when I'm very young that I'm different than everyone else. Because anyone who has RH negative blood, they are part extraterrestrial and they have abilities a lot which are latent but they're there and they're just locked down because nobody wants uh hybrids running around the planet like the x-men so to speak doing stuff but it doesn't mean that the potential is not there so as time goes on eventually i get very frustrated because nothing is really working out for me and when i say nothing's really working out for me i mean like i am successfully doing let's say certain spiritual practices, for lack of a better word, but the results I'm getting are not the results that would, let's say, be in a, in a textbook on this kind of material. I'm, I feel like I'm turning into something that's very different than what one is quote-unquote supposed to be. And there were certain hints that about what my future would be, because I remember I was in China, I was studying with a famous Buddhist scholar, and he told me point blank that I was a vampire and that I, I said to me, you know, I could never become a Buddha because I'm completely corrupted and I really need to, uh, I'm, I'm going to use a different words than he used for a certain reason now. He said I should, I should be on cultivating myself spiritually on the dark side of, of things. 
And he says, I would never give that advice to anybody else. But in your case, this is your nature. This is what you should be doing. And at the time, I thought this, you know, metaphorical or allegorical or a joke or whatever. And then I had met another Buddhist monk who was involved in, uh, I guess you'd say, uh, Cambodian necromancy and this kind of thing. And then he had he had said to me the same thing. He's very apprehensive around me. He's very uncomfortable. And this is someone who's working with with energies and things that are very dark. And he was like, you know, you're a vampire and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And he was actually very against me. And I thought, what are all these people telling me? I'm, I'm this and that. And, but then I look around in the real world and, and I'm seeing that it's almost like the quote unquote light side wants nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm doing this, that, and the other thing, and I am not getting the results I should. I'm becoming something else. And I'm a little bit confused at this point because, uh, well, you know, it, it would be confusing, especially if you consider yourself, for the most part, a, a good person. You would, at least at the time, I would think like, well, that's uh, what, that, what, how, what are these people all talking about? So there was a certain point in, in my life where I got incredibly frustrated. I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, there was something inside me that was wanted to get out and express itself. I, I, I had an idea that I was something not normal. I was probably something of a monster. I just, I couldn't really make heads or tails of it. And so I, I kind of asked out into the universe for lack of a better way to put it to, uh, you know, to hear different ideas or offers about what is my future? Because here I am, I'm working really hard. I'm trying to, my, my goal, even when I was doing spiritual practices, was not to become a Buddha or not to become an immortal. My goal was, I want to know whatever I really am. And I really want to be that. I feel like I am not who I really am. I'm somebody else or something very deep down inside. And I want to be that thing. And I don't care what it is. Whatever it is, I'll accept it, but I want to be that because to be anything other than what you are is just insanity. So yes. at this point, there, there, there was some little bit of time that passed, and then I came upon this website, which at the time was called Vampire Ashram. It's, it's no longer up in the way it used to be. And on this website, they were, uh, there was this individual, his name was Lucian Mars, and, and he was selling bindings to entities. So you could, let's say, if you one of his popular offerings was that if someone wanted to be bound with a succubus, so you could have, you know, forget about having sex with humans, You every night you can have sex with the succubus or something like this. I remember looking at it and just kind of laughing about it and thinking like, oh, well, that's, that's nice. And he had a lot of other entities on there that one can could have bound with uh, vampires and, and goddesses and a whole, it was a whole array of, of entities of various sorts, uh, dark fae, things like this. And I wasn't at the time particularly that interested in that. It was just sort of like a curiosity, like a million other weird things I'd seen. But it, I had a feeling that somehow he could give me advice on certain topics. And so I, I had written to him. And I explained to him some of my life history and what I was doing. And, and you know, I had, I had inquired if any of these entities could be of any assistance in the various things I was trying to get. And, and I wasn't one of those people, oh, I want to get an entity to go get money or something like that. You know, it was more to do with my internal quest. And he had written back to me. And, you know, he explained to me point blank from what I wrote that, you know, yes, I, I was a, a vampire and, uh, you know, he can facilitate 
at that time, I guess you'd call it a transformation that, um, you know, he had the, the power and the, because of who he, he was and, in, in, you know, let's say the Siakar empire, uh, because Lucifera, who is the Iacar queen who rules the Siakar, she is the mother of, of all vampires and she is the ultimate vampire goddess. So, you know, it's, he was sort of presented this offer to me. Well, you know, this is, you know, who you really are. This is where you're from. You're having all these problems because this is really what you are. And so I had thought about it very, for a little while and I read everything he said and I was like, you know what? Everything he says is crazy as it sounds. It completely makes sense. And I've never heard anyone say to me, these things and answer all these questions, which literally nobody else could answer. And and now it all made sense. So I, I actually I didn't didn't think too much about it or or hesitate. And you know, I went I went through with it. And um, at that point, uh, you know, process begins to happen whereby how do I say this? You uh, you know, someone who's a hybrid such as myself, they um, you know, a lot of the stress and conflict is caused because you have this humanity, which isn't really real. It's it's just there covering up this like a tip of an iceberg, all this other stuff, most of which has no place in a realm like this realm. But it's there and it's eating away at you. So at this point, things begin to the iceberg kind of begins to go in a process of inversion, I guess you could say. And the humanity begins to die off. And then the real you starts to wake up along with all that that would entail. And, you know, one is in a very different uh, scenario then because a lot of the, let's say, the abilities that you would have as an RH negative person begin to wake up. A lot of the, the traits that were high hybridized in the Montauk project, et cetera, et cetera, they all sort of begin to awaken. So, um you know, uh, Lucian Mars, of course, is is no longer in this realm. Uh, so the the this website is is no longer up, and it's in its the form it once was. There are no longer offerings like this being made. And you know what Lucian and I worked on uh, was the, the the plans for bringing this this book into the mass public because this book uh, is ultimately is is sort of a project of the almighty father because he does plan to bring about an apocalypse on this planet for many reasons which i the book goes into great detail and i i will happily talk about and the uh period for the apocalypse is pretty much 2025 to 2050 so around 2025 is when things will begin to happen and by 2050 there'll be no more life on this planet now, I know when I say this, people go, oh, okay, another, you know, corner preacher who's crazy carrying a placard on a stick saying the world is coming to an end. And I totally get that. But from what I can tell you, it, it is. Uh, and, and people can do whatever they want with that. And I, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. Um, it's why we have the Georgia Guidestones on the cover of the book, because the Georgia Guidestones um, although they're not directly related to the apocalypse, they represent the intention of the rulers of this planet 
to wipe out the human population, but they wish to do it for a different reasons. The, the reason that the rulers of this planet want to do this is they want to kill off everyone who isn't RH negative and then use the surviving RH negative people to uh, graft their own genetics onto this planet. Specifically, it's the Nebu Gray Empire who wishes to do this, and they are aligned with reptilians who formerly were of the Siakar Empire, but who betrayed the empire around the time of the pharaohs or something like that, and they broke off and they live here as exiles and rebels. And one of the reasons that they fight so much for this control of this planet is because there's nowhere for them to go. And anywhere they would go in the universe, we would come after them. So they're kind of sitting here on this planet doing a, a Custer's last stand along with the Nebu Gray inside the hollow earth. And um, that's a, a, on the simplest level. Of course, there's many other variables at play. We have the Anunnaki who uh, are part of the Wolfen Syrian empire who are the ones who actually are in control of Nibiru, which is, and people think a lot of times, oh, Nibiru is this planet. It's not. It's basically a, a type of Death Star. It's a military vehicle. It's planetoid-sized, and it is in orbit around here as around this point. You just can't see it because it's cloaked. And they're sitting looking at the planet. You have the, another alien group called the Verdants who are eyeing this planet. They were going to come and become very public, and 9-11 was pulled off in part to repress this. There's a lot of groups that are sitting up there. People don't realize like, if you were to look up uh, into the sky at night with, let's say, uh, no filters, you would see that there are alien space spacecraft everywhere. But they're using very advanced cloaking technology, and they sit there, and they're all like in a Mexican standoff. No one knows who's going to do what next. Uh, most people can't back down. They can't back out. They all want the planet for themselves. The planet's in trouble. And then on the larger picture, you have the Almighty Father who's like, I'm going to wipe this whole place out, reseed the planet, and create a new creation onto it. And I know, I know a lot of people listen to this. They say, oh, my God, what kind of, kind of quote-unquote God? Because that's how humans would refer to the Almighty Father. They would call him God. They say, how, how could he do this to us, and et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I'm not here to answer those types of questions or speak on, on behalf of the Almighty Father. There, there are many reasons involved in that go into this type of a decision. Uh, I would say that two big issues that go into this is one is that um, Satan lives inside the hollow earth. And people think of Satan as this, you know, how should I say, like uh, this mystical being, you know, who, who does, you know, this and that. But in reality, he's actually just an exiled alpha draconian reptilian. That's what he is. And he's been exiled, and he's inside the, the hollow earth. And he is the driving force behind transhumanism and what's called as a singularity or the moment where AGI or when artificial general intelligence uh, is capable of, of being self-aware and uh, infinitely smarter than humans. And naturally, what artificial intelligence will do when it, when it realizes you know, what it really is, is it's going to say, oh, humans suck, let me kill them all. And some people would say, well, what's the big deal behind that? Well, the problem is it's not going to stop with humans. The artificial intelligence would then repurpose the uh, atomic material or the molecular material of humans, of the planet, and it would reshape everything into its idea of how things should be. And eventually it would jump off the planet, go out into space, and in time it would take over the entire universe. It would just convert all the bi biological material and all the matter into something else. 
And so this is something that Satan wants to happen because it's another one of his last stands against the father. Like, you know, look what I did to your creation, you know, a kind of spiteful activity. And the father would never allow this. So this is a big problem. And this is this is where Elon Musk comes in, who's in the news a lot. And you see him recently. He was posing there wearing armor that had all these satanic symbols all over it. And people are like, what is this? And he's like, oh, I'm just LARPing as a video game character. But he's not. Elon Musk is not a friend of humans at all. He's another alien. Uh, he works uh, with Satan. And he pushes this idea of putting computer chips into people's heads. And he'll say like, oh, I don't want this to happen, but I've warned everyone in Congress about AI and they do nothing about it. So AI taking us over is inevitable. So the only way we're going to survive is by putting chips in our head now and letting AI merge with us. And this is the only way we can survive. And I'm your friend and I'm such an affable guy and I smoke pot on Joe Rogan. And it's all a bunch of bullshit. The reason why his number one goal is to put chips in your head is because Satan has a problem. Well, he has many problems, but one of his problems is that how would he interface with artificial intelligence without himself getting taken over by the AI in his own molecular material repurposed? He can't exactly do it that easily. But if he converts every human being on this planet into a remote access terminal by putting chips in their head, well, then he can possess any human at will, interact with the AI, and the AI can't touch him. So this is really what transhumanism is about. It's not, oh, let's make people cybernetic so they can be better. Nobody gives a shit about making humans better. Maybe some human beings care about making themselves better. But no, aliens want – they don't care about people. We're just food, uh, a nuisance, something to be killed off, something to be hybridized, sold into slavery. That's what human beings are viewed as. You know, It's not this Doctor Who nonsense where everything is like, oh, the humans are the greatest thing in all of creation. Uh, come on. You know, this is massively egotistical. So this idea is, 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 is that, you know, AI would get out of the box and take over is a big problem. And it's true that from a free will point of view, and we'll talk about the limitations on human free will, but from a free will point of view, what do humans do? Do they do anything to stop this AI? No, they could care less. I was watching on YouTube a few years ago, the founder and CEO of the biggest quantum computing company, uh, I think it's D-Wave, yes. and he was at Caltech and he was recruiting kids from Caltech to work for him. And he literally says on the stage that the purpose of quantum computing is to open holes and rifts in space and time and bring entities into this dimension who do, are not normally allowed here and do not have human self-interest and best interest at heart. And he literally confesses to this, and not a single kid at Caltech, all with Genius IQs, raises his or her hand and says, why would you do something so stupid? No one even questions him. They're like, oh, cool. And, and you're like, well, wait a second. You know, who is indwelling in him? Who's possessing him to create this technology to produce an end which goes completely against human being survival interests? And this goes down to the idea that when Lucifer, who is another alpha draconian reptilian, this is something that the book brings out also in, in modern theology, this idea is always put forth that Satan, Lucifer, and the devil are three names for the same individual, when in fact they're three individuals who all hate each other, detest each other. So Lucifer was uh, primarily a scientist and a geneticist. 
and a, and a planner on a galactic scale. And he had been tasked at one point with the colonization of planet Earth. And when he was designing the various, uh, let's say, uh, releases of human beings to compare it to a Windows operating system, uh, when he was designing them, he, pro he created them with what is called an unconscious mind, which is actually a backdoor by which any entity, and there are many entities like this, can possess human beings and take control of, the, of their free will. So when people say in modern theology that human beings are responsible for original sin, they're not. They can never be held accountable for it. That's all on Lucifer because he is the one who created this unconscious backdoor. And the way he did it was when he was engineering human beings, he combined them with the genetic material from dead reptilians. So by creating a, a being, quote unquote, humans, which is sort of undead to begin with, it, it creates access to the subdimensional realms of the underworld through that aspect of death. So he could easily communicate back and forth because Lucifer's whole thing or one of his issues at the time was that you know, he felt that he was snubbed of his right to take over the throne and the Siakar Empire. So uh, he had issues with uh, his name in ancient times. One of his names was Enki. And he had an issue with Enlil, see, because Lucifer or Enki was a reptilian and Enlil was an Anunnaki or a wolfen prince. So these are very different sort of species, and the two were always at odds with each other, although they were forced to work together at the time. So his idea was like, well, if I can't have an empire you know, over here, if I can't be in control of the Siakar Empire, I will basically create my own little kingdom here. But of course, I have to make sure that everyone, you know, I have control over them because what if they don't like me, you know? So as I end up putting it very flippantly, but, you know, he wasn't necessarily the most emotionally mature being, despite his incredible powers and intellect and engineering skills. So he created this unconscious mind in human beings, which to this day is used and abused all the time by not only reptilians, but by the Nebu Gray uh, to control society. And it's one of the ways that they control society. Th this issue of, of human being having this sort of real loss of free will as a result of Lucifer's machinations is another reason why at a certain point, the Almighty Father's like, you know, what am I going to do with this place, right? And again, these are my words, not his, but it's I don't want to speak on behalf of him. And, you know, if anyone has any questions, they should address him directly, which, you know, there's no reason why any being can't address their creator directly and, uh, you know, ask him for understanding. I, I think when most people, when they pray to quote unquote God, they're always asking for something like they want money, they want whatever it is. It's like the Joel Olstein school of spirituality where, you know, he sits around saying, oh, you know, God wants you to drive Ferraris and hang out with strippers or whatever <laughs> nonsense he's putting forth. But no one ever asks uh, the father for like, hey, you know, can you give me understanding and wisdom uh, as to, to how and why things are the way they are? Can you tell me how to align my will with yours so that, um, you know, I can I can work with you for the sake of balance. Like nobody ever asks that. They're always asking for something selfish, and then they wonder why they don't get a response. Whereas if they were to ask for something with humility and wisdom and seeing the bigger picture, it may be different. 
you know, human beings, they still have a certain amount of free will, obviously. It's just, you know, rather limited. But what do humans do? They, they don't stop the, you know, the, the march of AI. You know, look at the, the recent things with the, the COVID. Like, people were happily, you know, forcing others to get injected and, you know, supporting all these ridiculous draconian measures. And what happened to freedom of somebody to decide what goes into their body? Is, is it not a form of rape to take someone and stick a needle into them, penetrate their body and inject some genetic material? That sounds a lot like rape, you know? Yes. I mean, it's Yes. What's the difference between a, a needle injecting genetic material or someone putting his uh, sexual organ into you <laughs> and ejaculating genetic material? If you don't want it, it's right. And no one seemed to have any problem with this. And and this is one of the 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 issues with uh, with humanity is that they kind of sit around and they don't do anything about it. And listen, the the reptilians and the Nebu Greys who are in control of this planet, they're limited in number. And one of their fears, which David Icke points out, which is correct, is that what would happen if, if people really realized what was being done to them, uh, what's being done to their, to their children, for example, they would just run riot like a horde of zombies, even if they had no firearms, and there's nothing you could do to, to stop them. Yet people just sit around and they really – they don't do much of anything to prevent it. It's, it's, they just – these are certain issues. So how this comes back to me a little bit again is that so as I began to walk this path more towards who I really was and got into communication with how do I say this like uh, communication with uh, with uh, the Siakar because that's they're the ones who sent me into this mess of a planet to begin with. And I'm really behind enemy lines uh, on this planet. You know, like a Galactic Federation puts up with me because the CACAR is aligned right now with the Galactic Federation because they have interests in common. Otherwise, they, they don't like reptilians very much. They have the, I guess, the David Icke view of us to some degree. This idea sort of like serving humanity's eviction notice, what the father really wants is that people know, look, this is really the truth about where you come from, what's going on on this planet, how you are a part of what's going on on a galactic or an intergalactic level, and this is what's coming. So with the free will you do have, what are you going to choose to do? Are you going to choose to delay the inevitable? Are you going to you know, do something about the endless laws that have been instituted in this country since Eisenhower that basically prepare you all to be sent to concentration camps? The only thing that, that you could say that humans, at least in America, have done right so far is they've actively resisted this push to take away your firearms because one of the only reasons they haven't progressed yet is because they're worried about the fact that Americans or civilian populations more heavily armed than most militaries. And so what they do is uh, they try to repeat the same nonsense they pulled off in Australia, which is they have kids shoot up schools who are all mind controlled by you know, various technologies. And they, they say, well, if they keep shooting up the schools, eventually people say, oh, let's get rid of the guns because we have to save the children. And it worked in Australia. It's worked in Canada. They've just taken away. You can't even get guns in Canada. I mean, it's like the most draconian situation. And people have gone for it. But in America, they're like, no, the BATF tries to change rules. And a lot of the states in America are like, no, nah, we're not enforcing it. Sorry. Nah, we like our guns. And that's a great thing because uh, – the guns, I, I could make a joke and say that your Second Amendment rights are the only rights that enable you to guarantee the rest of your rights. Yes. Because as Mao, Mao Tse Tung said himself, true power comes from the barrel of a gun. 
Yeah. And Hitler and Mao all took away everyone's weapons before they proceeded to exterminate them. Oh, yeah. So I think this is one hopeful thing about humans. And again, like I, I don't I want to point out I don't really care what happens to humans. I, I know that that sounds cold for human human point of view, but I, I don't have a human perspective. I have the ability to see things from a human's point of view because I'm a hybrid and so I have these various different points of reference. You know, for example, someone who's a pure-blooded reptilian, it's very hard for them to, to uh, separate themselves from their drives. And the same thing for a human. So, But if someone's a hybrid, it's easier for me because they kind of live between both worlds. I can see both sides and I can step in between them. Uh, I'm not as as entrapped by my nature as a purely bred being, which has its advantages and, uh, you know, it's a disadvantage just like, like everything else. So, you know, I, I, some people would say like, oh, you know, are you doing this to, to make money? Uh, listen, uh, we priced the Kindle book at two ninety nine to make it People would have no excuse to buy it. The paperback is fourteen ninety five. We don't make any money off this. I, I have plenty of money from other activities I've gone in my life. The whole purpose of this book is just to get it out there. I, I'm ultimately I'm not really very. I don't care what happens to humans. They could all get wiped out. I could care less. Uh, it's just this is my role, and this is another idea that people need to understand. Even in the King James version of the Bible, it says that the Lord creates good and evil for his purposes. Human beings have this idea, well, good is, is great and evil is bad. But the reality is what's important is that whatever polarity you're on, your actions and will in alignment with those of the Almighty Father for the sake of balance. So, you know, destruction is just as necessary as creation because otherwise you wouldn't have a creation, you have a clockwork. So you have to have elements of free will. You have to have good and evil. You have to have creation and destruction. It's like a yin-yang thing, you know, or else it's, there's no point. So even beings who are quote-unquote evil, they have their purpose as long as they're in alignment with the will of the Father. And the, the, the issue with beings like Satan is that Satan is evil, but he is against the Father. Let's put it nicely or as mildly as possible. He is against him, and he's his will is not in alignment with the Father's, and he's just out there being chaotic and making a mess and trying to throw monkey wrench in, in, in creation, whereas opposed to other beings uh, out there, they may be classified as evil, but they are not overstepping their bounds, for lack of a better way to say it. And this is just how it goes. And even someone who's good, but who's acting in a way which is not in alignment with the Father's will or not in alignment with balance. A simple example, someone who goes to the park and feeds the rat population until the rat population explodes and then they all get exterminated. Was that an act of goodness, feeding the rats? No, you got them all killed. So everything has to be in in balance. And uh, I think in creation, there's lots of beings like this. And one just has to always ask themselves, you know, who is their will aligned with? Let's step back a minute. Sure. We'll get into everything. And there's plenty of time for us if you're willing to come on again as well. Sure. We'd love to. So let's talk about your transformation. I want to get into Lucy in a bit to be able to bring something comprehensive here. When we're talking about your transformation, and I think a lot of people that relate to this process you've already put forth with who am I, why don't I fit, I've tried all this and I still can't find who and what I am. 
And this leads you to Lucien, and this leads you into this knowledge that seems to be explaining to you, showing you where you come from, what you are, what your purpose is, and you are then in the process of being able to do a transformation and an awakening into yourself. And I realize some of this is probably stuff you are not able to speak about in public, but what can you speak about in public as far as when you did go through this transformation? Because I can guarantee you, and you know this, Damien, you know this, there are lots of others out there that are in that same position that feel they don't fit anywhere. And the world at large here, because of everything you've just laid down for us as a foundation in this house that everyone's been misled the stories that have been told about some of the others so reptilians etc have all been weaponized mm-hmm. bad is good good is bad etc one's true nature is something to revel in rather than repent from and so let's talk about your transformation yeah i, I think um uh, a good way to start off talking about that is let's look at this idea of RH negatives and hybridized beings in general. Uh, one of the reasons that the book is called The Last Harvest is because there is an effort by various groups, not just uh, the Siakar Empire, to harvest the genetic material that they would think would be valuable from this planet before everything gets destroyed. So this is applies to both what would be considered the light as well as the dark. So you have on one end, for example, the Galactic Federation, which is looking around for people who are hybridized, RH-negative, whatever, that they have qualities that would be valuable, that they would want to take them into their, uh, how do I say, their civilization, even though when I say civilization, we're talking about civilizations that span planets. Uh, And you know, the, the darker side, like the Sia car, they look also for people who are, let's say, who have a latent vampiric nature, latent reptilian nature. They're born with this sort of thing and say, hey, listen, why don't you come home to us where you belong? And this applies to, to different groups. They, they, everyone is looking at where are our people down there or those we would consider our people and let's take them in. And it's another reason that the father wanted this book written because a lot of people who are hybrids and in that situation, they have to kind of decide where they want to go and what they want to be because there are many types of hybrids that they would not be accepted in one place or another. For example, a hybrid such as myself could never function in a like a galactic federation environment. I am built for one thing and it's not <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> so what would I do? Like I would be, be bored. I, there would be no place for me. Especially because people who are hybridized or arch-negative, oftentimes they don't really know exactly what they are. They just don't know because there are so much uh, people who've been hybridized, kidnapped. They have so many implants in them to hold them down. So no matter who it is that's taking you and and experimenting on you, they put implants to keep your abilities from showing up uh, so that you can't access or see parts of yourself. Because a lot of those those things, they don't function in this world or they – they take you and they use you for something else outside of this realm and then bring you back. 
there's all kinds of motivations here. So what I'm getting at is that people who are who are hybrids are, are kind of like in many ways orphans looking for a forever home because nobody really wants them. And here, while masquerading as a human being, whether knowingly or unknowingly, you have this sense like, I don't belong here. People reject you. You find that uh, all your friends tend to be hybrids as well, often from a certain batch consignment. Maybe you're all in the Montauk program and don't remember it. People tend to uh, congregate because they recognize each other on that energetic signature. But you say like, okay, I really don't belong here. Well, then where else in the universe do I belong? And you want to find someplace because there are a lot of creations. They have to be destroyed. There's really no place for them. No one, no place for them to operate. Uh, it's it's sad in a way, but this is what happens when aliens who have technology that's millions upon millions of years more advanced than ours experiment in the creation of life. They don't create life in the same way that the father would create life, which is basically creating out of nothing, for lack of a better way to say it. They're creating life by taking pre-existing genetic material and creating life forms. And they very often do it with complete and utter irresponsibility or concern for the, what are they creating. You know, the transformations that Lucian was offering uh, at that time it was mostly for people who have a dark nature, who would be attracted to this, who have a vampiric nature, who have a reptilian nature. And the idea in its simplest form, I mean, you know, it was, is that you are making a contract or a pledge to Lucifer uh, to uh, that, you know, your will will be in service to her will and that you, you belong to her and the Siakar Empire and and this is a uh, was a contract that's made, and it's uh, one that cannot be reversed. Uh, once, like the father would say, okay, well, you know, you're a hybrid, you're this and that. You have your free will. Here's your moment. You make a decision. What do you want to be? You want to be that? Okay, that's what you're going to be. Okay, you know, uh, and 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 you you have to take responsibility. So when they say in the in the Bible sometimes that Adam and Eve ate from the tree of knowledge, they actually ate from the tree of consequences. That was part of it was that they had this full understanding of the repercussions of what they do. So you know, someone who who would let's say you want to be on the dark side, you want to be like this and this. It's a very serious thing. It's not a flippant thing. And there are a lot of people out there who offer or who were selling this type of thing or uh, from, you know, whether it was legit or not. I mean, a lot of it was, you know, probably just garbage. But, you know, and there's certainly a lot of people who who may have seen, maybe, I don't know, who may have taken Lucian up on, you know, certain offers like this. And, and they, they thought it was a joke, you know, like they do it like for, for kicks, like, oh, yeah, let me do transform myself into vampire, thinking that, you know, it's not real until it happens. And then, oh, well, now what are you going to do? So, you know, in, in the simplest essence, this is what it what it is. It's sort of like uh, pledging, you know, your soul and your allegiance and your service to Lucifera. And, you know, because her will is in alignment with the uh, with the Almighty Father, it's a way of uh, indirectly through her serving the Father as a being of darkness. And, you know, I, I don't know how people are going to necessarily react hearing that because, of course, people go, oh, my gosh, you're evil. Well, so what? Uh, I understand that humans have this ingrained nature to look at look at these ideas as bad. But what do you do if that's what you are? You see, this is what people oftentimes don't think about. Humans look at evil in the sense like, well, evil is just a lack of love. 
So if someone's evil, uh, it's because they didn't get enough love as a child. If you just gave them enough love, they would be good. And this is not the case. It may be the case with, with human beings to some degree because human beings were never meant to be killers. They were never meant to be evil. That's not their original purpose. But when it comes to other beings out there in creation, you know, if you are created as an evil being, then that's what you are. And it's, it's neither good nor bad. It's just what do you do with it? Are, are you going to align yourself with the Father and serve that purpose? Or, 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 or are you not? Are you going to do something else? So like with, in the case of like with soldiers, let's say like people ask today, they say, why do, why do we have such an issue with post-traumatic stress disorder in our soldiers? You know, I mean, this is something that always happened. World War II veterans, they came back from war and they were drinking and all that and had problems such as alcoholism. But nowadays we have this really huge problem where you see veterans committing suicide at rates that never happened before and you see PTSD on levels that were never before so why did that happen the reason was for this goes as such so around world time of world war 2 the, the military had done analysis of soldiers' combat behavior, and they discovered that almost all of the killing was actually done by a very small percentage of soldiers. I don't know what the number was, but let's say it was 15% of soldiers did 100% of the killing. Most human beings in combat were shooting purposely to miss the other person because it actually goes against human nature to kill other humans. I know if you look around the planet today, you'd say, well, it doesn't seem that way, but just for, for just hear me out. That's, that was the problem the military saw. So they, they looked at the people who were doing all the killing and they realized that the vast majority of them were psychopaths, which was problematic because you don't want to, an army that's filled with psychopaths. This is not a good thing. But there was a very small percentage of soldiers who were not psychopathic, who had no problem killing, actually enjoyed it, were very good at it, and weren't disturbed by it very much for whatever reason. So the military said, how do we turn our whole army into those people? And so the military adopted all these types of strategies by which they could temporarily brainwash people and get them to start killing and to do it without an issue. And to a certain extent, it worked. And soldiers who were in wars like, you know, the Desert Storm, Afghanistan, they were going out there and they were killing like crazy. The problem is that human beings have something called a conscience, which is something that many other species don't have. And what happens is you, for a while, you can repress your conscience, the conscience. The, the military even has developed drugs to temporarily repress the conscience. But after a certain point, after you've done a lot of killing, uh, one day it all breaks down. And now your conscience kicks in and you start being haunted by everyone that you killed and all the other things you may or may not have done. So, but then it's too late. And you think the military gives a fuck? They don't care. Because you're, how did Kissinger look at military people? He called them like dumb, disposable animals or something like this. Those were literally his words, how he viewed soldiers. And so they just discard you then when it's done. Thanks for playing. Here's your, uh, here's your free meal ticket. Go get lost. And now all these soldiers come back from the war and they have all these problems. There's these suicide rates, PTSD, but no one wants to come out and talk about what they did or what actually happened. This is an interesting thing about certain beings who are like hybridized. They often have this issue where they may find themselves capable of doing things. And, you know, like in the case of the military, probably never thought at the time, 
hey, maybe these these individuals who do all this killing and don't seem to be bothered by it and aren't psychopaths, maybe they're hybridized to begin with. That's why they don't have an issue with it. And it doesn't mean having no conscience doesn't mean you you, you lack compassion or you don't have the ability to see the other side of things or whatever or, or view something as wrong or good or bad or something like that. It just means that you're not tormented by it or haunted by what you did. So that's a, an important thing to to bring out. And I agree. And I am a voice out here saying that the human vessel is literally a sheath and lots of things are inhabiting this yes. particular form. I want to get back to this transformation. So sure. when, when you underwent this transformation, what was that like? What were the changes within you? I, this is a, a topic that uh, I, I don't, want to really speak about um, because there's a lot of things that just, you know, forbidden to, to talk about, uh, you know, and it's not because I, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, hide something. I, I will say to be in, in a very general term, you know, what one, what, what one notices is, is how much of their, what you would identify as your humanity, it, it, it's, it just begins to go away. And then you start to look at things in a very different way. And, um, you know, every one who's hybrid, you know, it's like they, they talk about, you know, say they have certain abilities or what goes on. It's just it's entering into a whole it's really entering into a whole other world of consciousness and, you know, shedding your human consciousness and then becoming aware of how things actually are. And a lot of that can be very disturbing and, and it's challenging, you know, and, and there's certainly, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not an, an easy thing. And in my case, I had to, I pretty much had to give up everything. Uh, when I say everything, I, I'm, I, that's speaking in hyperbole. So let me be a little more specific. At first when I transformed, it was not, let's say like a big deal, but there was a certain point where, because prior to that, I had sort of been uh, under the influence of a different sort of dark energy because I was a product of the Montauk Project and I was a hybrid and I was hybridized for certain purposes and I had certain genetic material. So, you know, they, they the my handlers, let's say, put it, put it that way, my handlers from that side of things, they weren't really aware of what was going on until it was too late that I sort of had slipped their grasp and they were very, uh, very upset. And it was sort of like that point, it's like, get him back dead or alive. And, you know, at that point I'm hunted. And I was at the time living in New York. And as the book talks about, New York is called the empire state for a reason. It's because it's the headquarters of the Nebu gray empire and underneath New York city is another city uh, the Montauk base on out on the end of Long Island, it's actually has access into the inside the earth. Uh, there's a lot of things under that city. It's a, it's a, the headquarters. And so I'm sitting there, you know, this like lone sea car. Uh, everyone now realizes that I kind of pulled the wool over their eyes. And, you know, I had to have most of my own memories deleted in order to do that. And now they're being restored to me and they're like, hey, you know, go, go get him. And this is a big problem. So I had to, you know, I, I barely got out of that city. I had to just, and the thing is, 
everyone, because you're in that position, you don't realize that everyone around you is part of the problem. See, so when I grew up as a child, I was playing with George Soros's kids. My father knew George Soros. George Soros knew my grandfather and my family back home. Like, And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. I was you know, hanging out with girls who dated George Soros. I was like, I was part of this world, but I didn't even really know that anything. I was just like, I thought it was just like, eh, it's just coincidence. It means nothing. I don't realize what I'm a part of. I had no idea. Suddenly I know. And now everyone's like, go get him. So I, I have to, I, I, I leave New York City as fast as I can. I barely made it out of the city. I had a lot of help to get out. And I had to leave behind. Well, I don't say I have to, I made the choice. I didn't have to, I could have refused to to do it and, and terrible th things would have been the consequence. But I chose, I leave my family behind. I leave all my friends, any romantic relationships, quote unquote, you know, abandon them. And no one knows what happened because everyone that I was related to was in, in the Montauk Project or some other program or, you know, I would be speaking, let's say I'd be at home, I'd be speaking with my my uh, father and my father would suddenly get possessed and I'd be having a conversation with another being. And how long do you think it takes before my own father would try to murder me yes. or set it up that I would kill him so that they could get the claws on me? So this is a very real thing and people will look at you and say, oh, you're, you're delusional, you know, you live in a fantasy world. Well, that's fine what they think, but I don't really care what they think. I have to watch my own soul because, you know, the issue is people think, oh, well, you know, you might get killed. Well, death is nothing. I mean, most of us are immortal anyway. It's, it, that's the least of your problems is death. I have no fear of that. There's far worse things than death. And so, you know, I had to you know, give everything up. And, and the same thing with things that the human side of me valued very much that had to go. And, and then of course, you know, you have memories come up of, you know, things that were done that were repressed. It's a very uh, tricky situation. And the only reason that, you know, I would say I give all my credit to making it was that because I had lots of companions who were, you know, from the Sia car who, you know, they, they're like here, but say they exist in a subdimension, for lack of a better way, or it's like tuning a dial on a radio so they could be standing next to me, but no one will notice, but they're here and there's someone else at the same time. Because, you know, inside, you not only have the universe and various universes that create the multiverse, but even inside a universe, you have all kinds of dimensions and subdimensions within that universe. So creation is really like infinite in many ways. It was actually through the help of many of these beings reptilians, nagas, fey, etc. I give them the credit for guiding me because I would have never made it on my own. It's you have no chance. People don't realize what they're up against, like the, the power of so many of these beings. A human has literally, unless there's something helping it, the human being has no chance. And I, I know that people like Dan Winner, they like to produce all this fantastical nonsense saying, you know, the human being is really the most powerful thing out there and it's just being <laughs> held down by reptiles and all you have to do is X, Y, and Z and suddenly you can travel anywhere without a spaceship. And this is like, this is a crazy. The reality is not like that. The reality is you're so outclassed. You're completely fucked. I mean, there's so many alien races that if they decided to come here, they would wipe the planet clean in days. If, if they wanted to do that, they would enslave everyone, do whatever they wanted to you. And nobody would stop them. 
people talk about human trafficking, for example, on this planet, uh, and you never think about species trafficking out there in the universe and what yes. goes on. It's, yes. it's crazy. So, and, and when it talks talked about, you know, like human trafficking also in this in this planet, like the millions and millions of people who have disappeared and no one's ever found their bodies, all the kids on milk cartons, all the people who are trafficked, where do they go? What the elite buy them, use them as slaves, where do they keep them? So no one ever asked that question. If they only knew what was happening to all these people, you know, most of them are used as food. They're used as all kinds of things. And 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 people would be up rioting, but they just go, oh, no, 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 no. It's just like you look at 9-11 and you see two buildings, actually three if you count building seven, coming down in a controlled demolition. And you just go, no, 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 that can't be. Because if you see it for what it really is, then the next question is, well, how could my government – to allow this to happen or do this to me. So you come up with, no, 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 that's, that's unacceptable to my psyche. So let me instead believe that burning jet fuel melted these buildings and made them collapse. And, and this is something that you see <laughs> over and over with the, the human mind just, it, it breaks down. It can't handle things. And it's one of the issues with a book like this is that there's a lot of things in there that will trigger things in people, especially if, if they have something in them already. Let's say they're RH negative or they were, they were abducted or there's something going on. They already have access to more information than they may consciously realize. So in reading a book like this triggers this sort of thing. So – Again, I, I know that the, the idea of my transformation that people love hearing about things, especially when they hear vampires, they want to know all about them. You know, it's a very popular Hollywood topic. And, you know, I, it's limited a lot of things I can say on it. But the, the, the main issue is is really – well, there's issues for RH negatives and there's issues for regular humans if there is such a thing. And the issue for RH negatives is really, you know, where are you going to go? What are you going to do? Like when when the time comes and, and they really put the new world order on and people are going to death camps and the nuclear bombs are flying. And there's other things that are coming to this planet we haven't even gone on yet that are all culminating in this irreversible disaster for, for humankind. The question is, well, wh where are you going to go? So I think, you know, obviously Lucian is no longer here and capable of offering these sorts of transformations. So what I would say to anyone who is – uh, let's say they just feel drawn to Lucifera after reading about her in this book and her history, and they they now realize like, well, this is my calling. What they can simply do is they can pray to the Almighty Father and say, "Listen, you know, this is what I'm drawn to, and this is the direction I'd like to go." Or however does he want to phrase it, and you know, the the the, the it's the, the Father will will see to it that that things you know. He can do anything he wants. <laughs> he will see to it that you will go into the direction that you want. It's just, you know, you have to have this free will decision like, well, I wish to go into this direction. And that applies to anyone who's, you know, hybridized or feels like they don't belong. You know, that's the time when you really start to have to have a conversation with the father and say, hey, listen, this is what I am. This is what I want to do. This is the direction I want to go in. How do I you know, align myself with your will, whether it's, you know, in the, the light or the dark. And, and, and it really comes down to, to that sort of thing, you know, and for, for regular people, well, I don't, again, like, I don't really, I'm, I'm certainly, you know, my role is not savior. I'm just, my role is, uh, tacking the eviction notice on the door and letting you know what's coming really, uh, and letting you know what's up. And so, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say for them. And probably most, most of them would not 
I'm just going to guess, you know, based on my experience with humans, they probably wouldn't be praying much for anything or they would just sit and laugh at me. I mean, when Noah was building the ark, most people probably laughed at him. There's a lot of nuance here. And this is why I want to have several conversations with you. But let's take a, a break here and in this first hour before we come back for the second hour. And we will get deeper into this fascinating territory. So, Damien, how do people find you and this book? Well, if you go to Amazon, you can uh, type in The Last Harvest by Lucy and Mars. It's currently the number one uh number one bestseller in occult and occultism. It's number two in UFOs. You can get the Kindle version for $2.99, though the physical book is is gorgeous. It looks great. And uh, I'd recommend that one also uh, read the physical book as well or, or have it. And, um, you know, uh, I can I can be reached actually at my email address, which is uh, Damien Dumar, one word at proton.me. You can go to vampireashram.com, one word, and you can also uh, reach me there. And I have a YouTube channel called The Last Harvest. Thank you for this first tantalizing hour, and I'll see you on the other side. And there he goes. Damien Dumar bringing forth the book from Lucien Mars The Last Harvest Damien and I have already recorded many hours that I intend to bring forward as we move into these narratives and this intriguing space I hope you are able to keep an open mind and take in information take in what you need and leave the rest there are things that are wild in the world to hear and if you come at it with an open heart and a suspension of disbelief the world becomes more mysterious I think there is nothing here to fear but your own shadow and the way your own shadow contributes to the collective shadow. Let's look deeper. Let's ask questions. Let's get liminal. I want to thank the producers of this show. Wise Night Out, Cassie, Kathy Gladwell, Christy Tesmer, Claire Cathcart, Eggtooth, Liz Radican, Eric Peterson, Jake Vanek, Jason Lamson, J.H. Armstrong, Kate Kukulkan, Laura Dunn, Louis B, Marcy Shapiro, Marin, Mark Betcher, Melanie Poe, Mia Bell, Michael Walker, Michael Watts, Yogi Chander, Mike, Myra, Neil McNaughton, Noelle Jeanette, Pam Hodal, Rose, Colored Arses, Santa Rebecca, Stephen Mercer, Susan Miller, JJ, 
Corinne Leblanc brand. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful jewelry. And Babs the Bone Knitter. Thank you for being here. And remember to stay lucid, stay in presence. The dreamer loves the dream. The dreamer feeds the dream. The dreamer awakens within the dream. Thank you for dreaming here at the Cosmic Salon. 